This is No One Knows Anything, the politics podcast from BuzzFeed News. I'm Meg Kramer. In August, Donald Trump tweeted out a cryptic prediction. He said, they will soon be calling me Mr. Brexit. The Mr. Brexit part was in all caps. The tweet may have been a reference to the themes in his campaign, like nationalism, protectionism, and anti-immigration sentiments that were a big part of Britain's vote to leave the European Union. It could have also been a kind of don't-count-me-out message for his supporters. Or he could have been tapping into something deeper and darker, the secret fear that Clinton supporters have that despite the polling data and media narratives, Trump will surprise everyone by winning the election. This episode, we're taking a look at the similarities between the U.S. presidential election and the Brexit vote. You'll hear from Trump supporters who have taken up the Mr. Brexit prediction and are hoping for a, quote, November surprise. We'll also talk about what's different, like polling methods and voter demographics. Joining me now is Hannah Jewell, a writer for BuzzFeed UK. She has been writing about Brexit and she's here in the U.S. this month following the presidential election. Hi, Hannah. Hi, Meg. Who do you think is the real Mr. Brexit? (laughs) The real Mr. Brexit? I I wonder if Nigel Farage, the leader of the UK Independence Party, took issue with Trump declaring himself Mr. Brexit when Farage's life work has been being Mr. Brexit. And and who who is Nigel Farage for us Americans who have not been following British politics? How does he fit into all of this? Nigel Farage was and kind of still is the leader of the UK Independence Party, which is a right-wing party whose basically entire reason for existing was to get the UK out of Europe. And so British people, many British people feel about Farage the way maybe many liberal Americans feel about Trump. He's a character. He's someone who has made himself out to be a man of the people. I'm just like you. I'm not a normal politician. In fact, he's like wealthy and just as elite as anyone else, the way that Trump is obviously incredibly wealthy. So Farage has been very central to this whole tale. And yeah, I think he would call himself Mr. Brexit. I feel like he goes home at the end of a long day and (laughs) looks at himself in the mirror and is like, looking good, Mr. Brexit. I feel (laughs) like he does that. So before we get into U.S. politics... What are like the top level highlights that you think Americans need to understand about Brexit, about the vote in order to make this comparison? I think the most important thing to know is what a huge surprise the victory for the Leave campaign was. So the sides were remain and leave to remain in the European Union or leave it. And the polls were close, but remain voters went to bed on the night of the vote thinking that Remain had won and woke up to find that Leave had won. And it was like an earthquake. It felt so crazy uh, because the polls were close, but also for so many people in London, younger people had no idea that this could happen or whatever would happen. So there's there are these similarities when it comes to like a general feeling among people, maybe like younger people, people living in cities, that like there's no way this could happen. Yeah, it seemed totally inconceivable to people. There's a, a concept of the quote unquote sneering metropolitan elite, which is like <laughs> they have here. It's like the East Coast Ivy League. It's the equivalent of an American's like being an ivory tower type or like how Uh people criticized, I guess, Obama in 08 for being like sneering, sneering metropolitan. And I can see I can see why 
like it's tempting to make the comparison because in a sense, this has already happened with Trump. There are the the sneering metropolitan <laughs> elite of America. Literally me. <laughs> are already they're already surprised that Trump has even won the nomination in the first place. And there's similar there's a lot of similarities um in people who supported Brexit and who support Trump. Um, supporters of both Trump and Brexit tend to be white and people without a degree uh, support Trump and supported Brexit. Um, and also, interestingly, both the election and the referendum attracted people who don't usually vote. Um, mm. And so the base, the core is similar on either side. Trump also seems like weirdly fascinated by Brexit. I think we're going to have a little Brexit coming up on November 8th, I think. We're going to have, believe me, this is Brexit times five. This will be Brexit times ten. I think he's saying it's, it's a, I'm not, I'm not out of this yet. And it's true. He's not. The forecasts are saying that he's around a 20% chance of winning still, and that is not zero. You know, that means if we had 100 elections, he would win 20 of them. <laughs> Imagine 100 elections. But, <laughs> but anyway, um, he's saying, you know, the, the sneering metropolitan elite did not see Brexit coming. And there's going to be a surprise. So you went to a Trump rally in Toledo, Ohio, to talk to people about what this Brexit message means to some of Trump's supporters. What did people say? So I really wanted to know, do people know what he's talking about? Because it's such a complicated issue, right? A lot of British people barely comprehend it. I barely comprehend it. No one I know comprehends it fully. Um, And I found that, yes, almost every single person there uh, had followed the news over the summer about our vote to leave Europe and was making the connection that unlike what, say, Clinton supporters might think, unlike what the mainstream media might say, he can and will pull off a surprise victory. And they had latched onto that. Many of them had even heard of Nigel Farage himself. For instance, I was talking to a merch seller outside the front of the convention center, a guy called Keith, who um, I just overheard him talking about Brexit. And I thought, yes, this guy's doing my job for me. And I ran over to him and I was like, hello, I couldn't help but notice you were talking about the EU referendum. And he talked to me for a little bit and showed that he takes a lot of inspiration and hope from Brexit and is kind of inspired by Nigel Farage, which is, which seemed crazy to me as just someone, stand, as I was standing there in the middle of Toledo, seeing that Nigel Farage has fans there, I think would be really bewildering to a lot of British people. So do you think that people voting for Trump in the U.S. is a little bit like British people voting for Brexit? I believe it is. It has a little bit of a same value because what Nigel Farage and those guys did in Europe they spoke up against uh, 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 joining the EU because of the benefit. They're only $3, guys. His table, he was selling um, the T-shirts that say Hillary for prison. They're very high quality, too. And the buns, only $3, as you heard. <laughs> what you're talking about is a mass. I mean, just everything that the Brit ex- re- uh, exit representing, because the EU was really a global government. So, and pulling out of the global government... I think it meant a whole lot. I mean, and so I think what we have here in the United States, the Clintons, the Bushes, and the mainstream of power, if you might say, if you will, I I think it's no different. It's kind of funny when this guy Keith was saying global government, things like this. It's it's not that far from kind of like conspiracy land. Like there's truth in it, but also it's not a global government. Obviously, it was a treaty between member states of the European Union, but I think that 
you only need to l- dig a little deeper and you get to conspiracy world and like Illuminati and all this. And so he didn't say this, right? But I think that the idea that Clinton is part of this murky world of a global elite, a sneering metropolitan global elite, I think, um, is really off-putting to, to people like him. There's another clip. There's one more clip that I want to listen to together. And it's from this guy you talked to named Bill Feather. Have you noticed, is this your first Trump rally? Uh, this is my first one I've been at. Okay. As a, you've watched him on TV probably. All the time. Um, so have you noticed that he keeps bringing up Brexit lately? Yes, and and I believe we have the same thing going on here. I hope we push it through because all the news media said Brexit would not happen, would not happen, would not happen, and they're saying the same thing about Trump. And so I believe there's a potential that there's a big November surprise waiting for America, and we'll be much better off if it happens. He believes there's a potential for a big November surprise. Yeah, it's it's not impossible for Trump to win still, and my impression at this rally was that there's no news story that could come out. There's no, you know, October surprise type thing or in terms of a media surprise or a big story coming out. I feel like there's nothing that can be said by the media that will make people think differently of Trump because the trust in the media is so low. There's a press pen at the Trump Trump rally. So So at every Trump rally, there's a press pen, which I've called reporter jail, um, and then I was just walking around in the crowd until a guy who works for the <laughs> Trump campaign was like, who are you? Because I had a microphone. Then he kind of let me continue talking to people, but then eventually threw me into reporter jail. And I was kind of glad I was thrown into reporter jail because it was right before Trump did his and the media big like some I saw someone call it the ritual booing of the media. And everyone, this crowd of thousands of people turns around and goes, boo. And everyone in the press pen is just laughing. Oh, you know, if I don't win, I will I will consider that some of these dishonest people back here, and they are among the world's most dishonest. They are disgusting. They are among the world's most dishonest people. And and this ties into another sort of like line of Trump's rhetoric, which is that the polls are wrong, the election is rigged, there's massive amounts of voter fraud. Like you see one thing, but really it's another thing. The rigged thing, what I asked a lot of people, like, oh, do you think Trump will win? All of them except for one said, yes, he will win unless the election is rigged. <laughs> so I think that they will think this. I think that um, the only explanation is that it can be rigged. Here is where we have one difference between the U.S. election and Brexit, which is that leading up to the Brexit vote, There was a lot of polling done about, you know, how many people were going to vote remain, how many people were going to vote leave. And up until the last minute, it wasn't entirely clear which way it was going to go. But U.S. election polling is very, very different. Can you explain how? Well, there's a lot of ways it's different. For one thing, there's more polling. Um, There are so many polls happening in the U.S. and that are concentrated in the states that matter. So it's it's harder to poll a a plebiscite, a referendum that is covering the entire United Kingdom than being able to zero in on the swing states that matter. So because of the electoral college, you can focus in your polling and have more accurate sampling and so on. Um, and in the US, polling and forecasting and predicting gets to draw from not only polls being conducted then and there, but also drawing from a history of 
an infinite number of presidential cycles. Oh. And in and in the UK, there hadn't been a vote on Europe since the 70s. That's interesting. So there's just more data to compare new polling data to when it comes to U.S. elections. Yeah, absolutely. OK, so the polling is one difference. What's another? So in the UK, the Leave campaign, much like Trump, had this anti-immigration line that was very alienating to immigrants, obviously. It was saying, you're not welcome here. But the thing is, is that in the UK, those people couldn't vote in the referendum. Many of them who weren't citizens couldn't vote. The electorate in the US is a lot more diverse than in the UK. And Trump has alienated so many communities and also women. Though not all women. I met a lot of very women for Trump gals at the rally. Okay, so there is this cost to Trump's polarizing tactics in the U.S. election that wasn't always there for the Leave campaign during the Brexit vote. And, you know, in the U.K., you can get a lot further with a base of just white voters than you can in the U.S. Yeah, the U.S. is just more diverse. And then there's like one more really important difference, which is that thinking back to the effectiveness and the efforts of the Remain campaign, how would you compare that to Hillary Clinton's campaign against Donald Trump? The Remain campaign was a bit of a shit show because Leave and Remain didn't split along party lines. So there was people that hated each other on the same side. There was politicians from one party who didn't want to appear on the stage with politicians from another party, even if they were fighting for the same thing. Um, There was just, it was drama. It was not organized. It was not inspiring. And in the US, you have Clinton with this machine behind her and like firepower and tanks and (laughs) weapons and not really having so many people on the ground and being so organized and the sense that here is a person who has been planning for something for her entire life and it is all this machine that is roaring into action. And so Clinton is just so much better organized than the Remain camp was. So we know that Trump considers his campaign to have some similarities with the Brexit vote and that his supporters do too, that people know about it, that they're talking about it, and that they see it as an example of what might happen in just a week. We also know that there are some very important differences, like the way that polls are being conducted and basically how these campaigns are are being run very differently. How the Brexit campaign was run is very different from how Clinton and Trump are running for president. Do we know if Trump's prediction will be true if people will soon be calling him Mr. Brexit? (laughs) Well, Meg, no one knows anything. Come on, give me something. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know anything. I also like, I know if I predict anything, the opposite's going to happen because that's how the world works post-Brexit. Never make predictions. Never knows anything. Never Never pretend to know things. (laughs) You'll look like an idiot later. No One Knows Anything is produced by me, Meg Kramer, with editorial oversight from Kate Nocera and Eleanor Kagan, and production support from Julia Furlan and Chiquita Pascal. Our music is composed by Beauty Pill. Subscribe to No One Knows Anything on iTunes to follow our coverage through the election. You can follow us on Twitter, we're at No One Knows, or you can email us at no one knows anything at buzzfeed.com. And we'll be back soon with more things we don't know. <laughs>